Today we begin a two-part look at Cleveland's own Anthony Sowell. We'll start with his childhood and the debate over whether or not he had an abusive mother. We'll discuss his time in the military and his struggles with managing his rage and aggression. We'll also get into the rape that led to his time in prison and the first few of his known murders. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of us doing local stories and have been anxiously awaiting this one, stick around as your hometown heroes discuss a grade A hometown zero. This is Necronomapod. Welcome, everybody, to the Drew Carey Show. <laughs> he may be my dad. That's uh, so what I heard. It's possible. So a little uh, something about me. My mom went on two dates with Drew Carey back in high school. Yeah. Is that just... Is that just so stereotypical, though, that like people from like, you know, all around the country, like listen to one podcast podcast from Cleveland. The only thing they know about Cleveland is Drew Carey. And of course, one of our moms dated him. They're like, oh, of course, because everyone knows everyone over there because there's nothing else other other than fuck cows. Losers in Ohio. Oh, cows. Come on. Cleveland gets a bad rap across the country. I agree. Ohio gets a bad rap. I don't necessarily consider Cleveland part of Ohio. I don't mean to Is say that one it of the like, things you reject. Well, like when you pull oh, cornfields, Ohio, so like Cleveland's not like that at all. But also, why is it like, why do they pick Cle- Ohio for cornfields when there is other states that are literally just all cornfields? Yeah, I don't know. We have three major cities and then quite a few big, smaller cities like Akron, Toledo, Dayton. Yeah. I don't take any shit about Cleveland, especially if you've never been here. Hey, it's Cleveland against the world. Cleveland's a great town. There's tons to do here. The, yeah, the, well, the weather's terrible. <laughs> the weather, it, it's dark and gloomy six months out of the year. Are you talking about the city of Cleveland the city or of the Cleveland. surrounding suburbs I mean, as the, well? Well, the city of Cleveland has a lot to offer. If you've never been here, it really is a great place. I don't disagree. I did have my first heat. I, got, I was real hot at Cleveland a couple nights ago when I went to the Cleveland Guardians home opener. <laughs> And upon exiting the game at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, when the Guardians just ended their home opener and the Cavs just had a playoff game or a play it playoff play in game or something, 11 o'clock on a Friday night, I had, I went to five different bars slash restaurants trying to get something to eat and was told by all of them, our kitchen's closed. Sorry. Goddamn. I had to go to the food court in the casino to mm. get a goddamn sandwich. Hmm. A delicious corned beef sandwich. It was fantastic. But I understand why some people would think, you know, it's not the greatest city. They're just getting back into the swing of things post-COVID after the, I want the long hope, winter season. I want to hope that's what it is. But like a Friday night, two major sporting events, you're not going to bring in all your staff for that? That was a little disheartening. 
And I, I mean, I always stick up for Cleveland. It is a fun town. It's an yeah. underrated town. People shit on it. There is a lot of good restaurants, a lot of good areas, a lot of good shopping, world-class museums and, and, sure. and everything else. Entertainment fun for the whole family. If you've never been here, I highly encourage you to visit. And after the next two weeks, why would anybody not want to come? <laughs> what we're going to discuss. <laughs> yeah. This is not a great look for Cleveland. I mean, is it ever though? When we it's cover not. our guys, we found this is the Encore to Ariel Castro. So yeah. taking place right concurrently. Maybe, maybe just don't leave downtown Cleveland. Don't go east or west. And for the slightest. Just stay right there. Yeah, maybe. Look, as in any major big city, there's certain areas that are more dangerous than others. Well, we talked about this earlier off air. There's even places in Ohio down south that are all, you know, primarily white, but very uh backwoods redneck Mm -hmm. that they're just not even they're not major cities no and they would be very dangerous yeah for people just to wander into some of those areas i personally would much rather walk around in a neighborhood we're discussing tonight than those neighborhoods in southern ohio you're suggesting yes i know of one specifically that would be a very very bad idea if you or bad thing would happen if you wandered into a certain area. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Dave. I would I would walk around this area before some of those other ones. I used to live on the east side of Cleveland. I mean, yeah, there's some not so great places, but you know. There's some not so good places on the west side of Cleveland. Absolutely. The south side of Cleveland. Absolutely. And the east side of New York and the south side of New York. <laughs> and everywhere. But so Ian, you uh you kind of went like extra deep dive, I feel like, on this one. You were like all in on this research. Yeah, this was supposed to be a one parter that you gave us the notes and we're like, no, no, Pally. Dave and I made the executive <laughs> decision. We're going to make this one a two parter. Well, when I heard about this back in the day and like, you know, knowledge of serial killers, I didn't really think of him as a heavy hitter, mm. you know, but he really is. And then the whole social aspect to this and the failure of mm. law enforcement. That's one thing that I did not know a lot about was just the absolute failure which that's what makes this a, a two-parter. There's a lot to talk about. There is, absolutely. Do we think that, uh, I mean, it seemed like the majority of these killings kind of also only took place over like a two-year span, the ones we know of. Yeah. So maybe that's why you also, you know, he's not categorized with those other serial killers who go on for like, you know, maybe decades even sometimes. Right. This is just like, what, 2007 to 2009. Very quick. Yeah. Well, he's a black guy and he doesn't fit in the mold of most white male serial killers. Yeah. And that's a myth too, that, you know, all serial killers are white, like that kind of stereotypical mm-hmm. thing. That's not really yeah, like accurate. Small penises. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Okay. <laughs> like Wayne Williams, we talked about before the Atlanta child murderer. Mm-hmm. There's one, he was called the videotape killer or something like that but he videotaped all of his mm. we'll get to him eventually wow wow good job police the videotape <laughs> killer Ooh, real creative or like the or no not the confession killer it's another one but um <laughs> the confession killer they're all the confession killers <laughs> Ugh, i did it <laughs> the point being that that stereotype of all serial killers being you know middle-aged white guys is not always accurate no but I think that has something to do with it here. Why Anthony Sowell is not classified with Bundy and everything. Mm. Cause the way he was living, we, we talked about it off air. He was living worse than Dahmer. 
Oh God, yeah. It's something that you didn't if you're just a casual observer of this story, you wouldn't realize a lot of these yeah. deep dive facts, sure. Well, let's get into it. So start this start the tone of this episode right off the bat with the attitude in Cleveland that allowed this to happen. A good quote that'll sum it up is from Asad Taid, who is the former owner of the now closed Imperial Discount Store. Assad's store was across the street from Anthony Soul's house and frequented by Anthony and Anthony's victims. And he said, quote, I wish we had one million Anthony Sowell. He clean up the garbage. The one he killed, those garbage. You know, I was watching the documentary and I paused it and backed it up and I said, did, did I hear that guy right? It's and I see that the interviewer, same thing. She was a little... Uh, it kind of comes off out guard. of nowhere because yeah. he's just talking about the neighborhood and how he, yeah. he knew so well was coming in. And then he's just like, boom, he drops that. He said it in trial too, straight up. Mm. It's kind of reminiscent of like the whole thing in, in Los Angeles. I don't like, you know, the ice cube would talk about with the, with the Asian shop owners and how mm. they treated like their black customers and in, in, in the ghetto in South central kind of that same theme. Like my customers are trash. Anthony, Soul's doing a public servant, killing them, public service, killing them. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. Like that kind of rub between people running the shops and the people in the neighborhood. And I don't even want to say I get where that guy's coming from, but I know that his brother was killed. Someone robbed the store and killed his brother. That's right. So I think he had a personal grudge towards the community to some degree. And you can imagine... A lot of these dope fiends or crackheads coming in, trying to steal constantly, trying to lie and get one over and whatever. And he probably heard it day in and day out. So it's still a shocking statement. It is. And it's, I think that kind of sums up why this, you know, how this happened. Kind of the attitude of law enforcement, too. Yeah. We definitely get to a lot of that in part two. I mean, those, it's that same thing we talked about before with those kind of throwaway victims that no one really misses and are not going to be investigated as if they were. I mean, what's interesting, I think, in this, though, is that, you know, there are a few where there is family interested and the cops still kind of throw it away. Right. You know, which just kind of speaks to the community mindset at the time. So there's like two extreme parallels here. There's it's like take Jeffrey Epstein, a guy that was extremely wealthy could do whatever he wanted to do without question and that and on the whole opposite end extremely poor you can do whatever you want to because police don't give a fuck to look into it so if you know the right people on one end or if you're killing the right people on the other end probably be all right anthony Sowell was born august 19th 1959 in cleveland ohio to thomas Sowell and claudia garrison thomas Sowell wasn't around a lot and was always in and out of jail, which resulted in Claudia and Thomas never getting married. Thomas Sowell eventually got married to a woman named Sojourna, but Claudia pretty much raised Anthony by herself. Anthony's childhood depends on who you want to believe. Anthony said that it was full of abuse, which we'll cover. However, one of his sisters agreed that the family dynamic was chaotic, but Claudia never abused her children. The household was chaotic in the sense that there were many different family members living in the house. For example, Anthony's oldest sister had five children before she was 18 and relied heavily on Claudia to raise them. 
And Anthony himself had like seven siblings. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being in this house? In a word? No. Yeah. No. According to Anthony, in 1965, at seven years old, Anthony saw one of his nephews sexually assault one of his nieces. When Claudia caught one of the kids stepping out of line, whether it be something serious as sexual assault or something minor that you would think is just kids being kids, Anthony said that she brutally beat them. Claudia would strip the child down, tie them to a banister with an extension cord, and then beat them with another cord. The other kids were made to watch as a warning, kind of like, um, if you fuck up, this is what you're going to get. His sister says that that never happened. Either way, it is a chaotic household with... certainly sounds like it easily over 15 people living in that house sounds awful i sit in the studio with the two of you for two hours and i'm getting antsy and need (laughs) get a break (laughs) just a a point of clarification he ended up he grew up in east cleveland not that it matters all that much but just want to point that out what did we say well, Cleveland. I'm just oh. specifying that he grew up in East Cleveland. East Cleveland Shaw is its own school. separate it's its actual own separate city. city. Yeah, people think that that might just mean the, the east, east side, side of Cleveland, of Cleveland right. but East Cleveland is, uh, you know, its own separate city. Um, and which a hundred years ago contained a big portion of Millionaires Row, which is where all the fat cats in Cleveland lived, including John D. Rockefeller mm-hmm. from Standard Oil, possibly one of the richest men in the history of the world. Like if you yeah, measure, I think you could still, if, yeah, if you measure his fortune age, right. in today's numbers, sure. he far exceeds yeah. the personal wealth of these guys that we call buried at Lakeview Cemetery, right yeah. next to James Garfield's tomb. Mike's favorite place, Lakeview Cemetery, right on the border of East Cleveland. I don't know if it's my favorite place, but it's one of <laughs> one of. I likes to go there and fuck all the time. It's his favorite <laughs> hot spot. Pal. I got a real thing for banging on, on gravesides. So. No, did you ever roofie a chick and take her to the cemetery? Oh, I, you make way too many roofie checks for my taste, pal. Uh, I, it is one a tourist attraction. I would highly recommend if you came to Cleveland, Lakeview Cemetery. It is lovely. Also, I believe Ray Chapman is buried there. Ray Chapman is buried there. The only baseball player to be killed during a game. Beanball out of the head. Yeah, got hit in the head. A big parade in Cleveland in the twenties for him. Did they? After he passed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, East Cleveland has got gorgeous houses. Yeah. Gorgeous. It is a very impoverished town now, very uh, crime riddled, but the houses there are still, you know, fantastic. Most of those millionaire row houses are long gone, but there's still a few that are stand to this day, I believe. There's all kinds of just big, beautiful houses there. Yeah. I mean, you're not finding millionaire row houses anymore, but... Just all of that stuff. Just the, the designs of these homes are fantastic. Yeah, just to, that's why I mentioned it's a historically interesting <clears throat> place. And so, yeah, but that is good to point out because people don't who aren't from the area don't realize East Cleveland is its own separate city. It's not just the east side of Cleveland. Correct. Around 10 years old, one of Anthony's siblings recalled that when Claudia was beating the other children, Anthony would sit back and laugh. At 13 years old, Anthony raped his 11-year-old niece, Leona Anthony. This eventually became an everyday thing, and Leona's behavior started to change. She started getting in trouble, and then one afternoon, she started a huge fire in the house. When the police and firefighters got there, Leona confessed right away. As a result, she was sent to Sagamore Hills Children's Psychiatric Hospital. I must think that she might have done that as a way to get the fuck out of the situation. Anything to get out of there, right? I can't say I'd blame her. 
because it seemed like Anthony was using her as uh, someone to take out his frustrations on or something along those lines. Because when Leona was living at the hospital, Anthony started committing crimes. He started shoplifting and breaking into houses, but his first arrest was for drunken disorderly conduct. In 1976, at 17 years old, Anthony dropped out of school and was just kind of coasting through life. He did find a girlfriend at the time, 14-year-old Twyla Austin, but their relationship lasted for about a year. According to Anthony, he would do anything to escape his living situation. So in 1977, he joined the Marines. The military is always a good way out of your surroundings if you're kind of born into unfortunate circumstances like that, right? Yeah. It's a stable environment. Yeah. Structure, meals, some pay, some discipline. It's a good maybe, jumping off maybe path. Maybe a purpose to get up every day yeah, as opposed yeah, to, you know, right. if you're just kind of floundering around. I could for sure see that. There's some issues with that, though, right? Well, and if you're, you know, beneath you're a serial killer, then you yeah. get a weapon. <laughs> you have to learn how to kill. There's some issues with mainly the underclass of our society being the ones that defend yeah. the country for Oh, for that's sure. a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's what I'm getting That's the whole oh, show, okay. yeah. I thought you were talking about the serial killer route. Oh, no, I was just talking about, like, preying on those well, groups yeah, of people. Sure. And even they when they we were had the a, ones drafted to war. Yeah. And even when we had a draft, right, you, you know. You're in college. You don't right. have to go to the draft. Exactly. Yeah. Or even back in the Civil War, if you got drafted, you could uh, pay someone 500 bucks to go and take your place. So really? It's always been like that. That's a binding contract, though, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rich don't, uh, they don't like to go fight those wars for the most part. They don't do a fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's World War II. It's kind of all hands on deck. Yeah, it was kind of hard to escape that one. Couldn't, uh, your bone spurs weren't getting you out of, <laughs> out of going to Germany or the Pacific that time. Like a lot of serial killers, Anthony thrived in the military. He loved the rigid schedule and lifestyle, and he was promoted to private first class very quick. While in the Marines, Anthony got his high school diploma. Then not long after, Twyla reached out to tell Anthony that she was pregnant. Anthony was excited to have a daughter, but because of him being stationed in places like Japan, he missed her birth. Then at some point, he started a relationship with fellow U.S. Marine Kim Lawson. At first, Anthony and Kim were just hooking up, and Anthony himself said that he hated cuddling, holding hands, or any type of affection. But Kim wasn't going to give up, and the two of them ended up getting married in 1981. Anthony dropped his guard or just decided to give affection a try. Either way, the relationship seemed to be working out. Then they were both redeployed to different bases, and Kim grew apart from Anthony. In 1985, they were both honorably discharged, but not long after reconnecting, Kim divorced Anthony. So now, at 25 years old, Anthony didn't have a job, just got dumped, and had to move back into his childhood home, which was now being lived in by his half-sister, Tressa and her kids. What about Twyla and the kid? Did he ever reconnect with them? I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I didn't up. see anything about that either. I guess that kid's probably out there somewhere. Right? Yeah. Anthony's my pops. Probably a reason why we don't hear much from them or know about it. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably stay behind the behind the scenes on that one. Kayfabe that. <laughs> Fast forward two years. It's 1988, and Anthony's still struggling to find a steady job, and he's just kind of wandering around Cleveland, really mad at the world. 
That's what I was doing in 1988. <laughs> Just wandering around. Wandering around lab. Cleveland, doing a weed, mad at the world. <laughs> I was learning how to use a toilet. <laughs> what year is this? 88. Uh, I was probably still in diapers for sure. You'll get there, pal. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. One day. <laughs> you might have bumped into him, Dave, wandering on the streets. I might have. Well, he was more east side. At this point, you were west side. I was west side. You were more bumping in the Aero Castro at this point. <laughs> Probably so. Right. <laughs> he lives by a lot of serial killers. <laughs> Is there something we don't know? Hmm. So while he's wandering around all mad at the world, uh, he started drinking heavily and smoking crack. Drinking mixed with crack and this massive chip that he had on his shoulder led him to violent outbursts and an extremely bad temper. He got arrested a couple times for drug possession and he got arrested for domestic violence, but the details are pretty limited about that domestic violence arrest and that woman wanted to remain unknown. We know for a fact that Anthony was starting to get violent with women in 1988 and there's a lot of suspicion that in 1988 is also when his murder started. There aren't a lot of details out there about these murders, which is probably due to you know social issues with these case. All we know is that Anthony Soul was a couple streets over or on the same street as these women. Now this I did not know about. Is this what police thought too? Yeah, they, these cases actually got reopened. When they caught him eventually? Mm-hmm. Really? Did yeah. they ask him about it? I know he didn't really speak a lot, but did they, yeah, he they didn't, ask him about it? Mm-hmm. And the FBI mm-hmm. fully believe that these murders and maybe some other ones are attributed to him because you see it's like there's these this whole chain of murders there's a couple other ones that aren't publicly named and then all of a sudden when he goes to jail they just stop interesting i'm trying to remember like if this was a big deal in the city or not i'm guessing it probably wasn't yeah when they caught him you mean no like back in these 80s these these victims these strangulation victims Back before anyone knew, I almost Anthony feel was. like you wouldn't. You probably would, you know, right. back page news type stuff. And I contrast that with, and I mentioned West Park, where I lived in the mid '80s. There was a gentleman named Ronnie Shelton who was the West Park rapist, and that, however, was a big fucking story. All hands on deck until that guy was caught, because it was on the far west side of Cleveland, where all the police and firemen lived. Right. So it was their families that were possible victims of the west park rapist so that was taking precedence well everyone knows things are more important when they affect you personally right it's just yeah just the contrast i'm kidding i'm kidding obviously but just you know the contrast in the wealthy neighborhoods versus sure the poor inner city neighborhoods may 27th 1988 rosalind gardner was found strangled in her home on hayden avenue in east cleveland that case is unsolved. February 27th, 1989, Carmela Prater was found dead in an abandoned building on First Avenue in East Cleveland. Carmela lived on Page Avenue, which was the same street as Anthony. She had been beaten, but the coroner was unable to determine how she was killed. That one's unsolved. March 28th, 1989, Mary Thomas was found strangled near an abandoned building on First Avenue, the same street where Carmela Prater was found. Again, that one is unsolved. On July 28th, 1989, is the first attack that we know for sure happened. 
Melvette Sockwell was three months pregnant at the time, and that night she was out with friends pretty much all night long. At 6 a.m. that morning, she walked to a motel where she was supposed to meet her boyfriend. As she was walking up to the motel, Melvette noticed that there were a couple police cars there, so she turned around and walked the other way. Her boyfriend was a drug dealer, and Marvell wasn't trying to get caught up in whatever was going on. And around the corner, she ran into Anthony Sowell, and he invited her back to his house for a drink. This is still the childhood home that he shared with his half-sister and her kids. So Anthony and Melvette walked past them and went straight up to his room in the attic. As soon as they were in the room, Anthony slammed the door shut and blocked off the door with a large suitcase. He then grabbed a knife, and at knife point, Anthony forced Melvette to take her clothes off. For 12 hours, Anthony beat and raped Melvette until he got tired. Then at that point, he tied her hands behind her back, gagged her, and said, when I wake up, I'm going to kill you. How do you rape someone for 12 hours? I don't know. I mean, I mean it's an easy sentence to read, but when you, when you start thinking about it, like, really? <clears throat> yeah, and just and beat her really bad. That's a long time for sustained violence like that. A lot of shit happens in 12 hours. Yeah. Just to be in this attic. I mean, it's almost like these, these type of guys, these people, like they just can, they can shut that part of their brain off or they don't have it to begin with where they're like, you know, they don't feel anything other than this is the urge I have. This is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not you're not doing it for 12 hours straight. Right, just sitting in the breaks, same room and, and looking doing? at your victim and making yeah. eye contact. And I would assume, assume this weird is... small talk. It's probably, in his mind, this huge rush. It's got to be, yeah. right? Like, this is what I've been wanting to do for a very long time. How does that last for 12 hours, though? I don't know how do addicts go on. Are you smoking on? crack the whole time? Is that I mean, a big part of it? Probably, I mean, based on what we learned about him, yeah. crack and alcohol. As soon as Melvette could tell Anthony fell asleep, she quietly walked over to the door, but realized that moving the suitcase would make too much noise. At that point, Melvette moved to the attic window, which ended up being unlocked. So she crawled out the window onto the roof of the house. Two elderly women were walking down the street and saw Melvette up on the roof, bound and gagged and waving for help. They called 911, and when the police got there, Tressa said she had no idea what was going on, but led the police up to Anthony's attic room. Police busted down the door since it was still blocked by the suitcase, where Anthony was just sitting in his room. He tried to act like nothing was going on, uh, but police were like, yeah, we're not buying that, and they arrested him. What? What? I too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, was she still on the roof when they got there? Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. Unbelievable. That was just a bird out there. Those houses are all so close together, too. Like, over oh, there, yeah. like, yeah. you know. You'd be taking a shower, you look out your window, there's just a lady on the roof next door. I mean, you're talking like a foot in between houses. Yeah, they're close. Yeah. Part two stuff we'll talk about with the alleyway. It, yeah, it's a tiny alleyway. Yeah, there's not much room there. Yeah. Like, you almost would have to, like, squish your arms together a bit. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships can take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Whether it be exercising, putting down your phone for a while, having a chat with a close friend, 
or just simply taking a nap. We need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves just as you would take care of a friend. And with that in mind, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. Whether life currently has you down or you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Necro. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Anthony made bail, and when it was time for his court date, he just didn't show up. For some reason, Cleveland police and Cuyahoga County prosecutors decided to just say fuck it, and they never went looking for Anthony, and to my knowledge, a warrant for his arrest was never made. Well, too busy locking people up for smoking joints. More important things Obviously. to do, right? I mean, you do a weed, you do the time. <laughs> And also, obviously, if this was a white woman with a little money and an attorney, this would not have happened ever. Obviously, it just would not have happened. Right. No, he would have been an APB and they would have arrested him the same day. That's what I'm saying. Like, like about story the story doesn't exist. No, no. Yeah. That's what I was like comparing it to earlier. It's like Epstein did whatever the fuck he wanted to do on his end with mm-hmm. all the money. And on this end, completely, you know, on the verge of homeless. And a lot of times people are homeless in these situations. You can do whatever the fuck you want. That's right. I mean, you would think Anthony soul would be a fucking millionaire with the amount of stuff he got away with, but it's just, no one cares. It's an interesting contrast. Yeah. What you can get away with on the exact opposite ends of the spectrum. Interesting. I I think it's kind of related to this. Bloomberg did a study a couple, couple years ago the best and worst metropolitan areas for black women's overall outcomes, Cleveland dead last. Really? So it took into, into account things like uh, inequities in terms of income status, health conditions, and educational accomplishment, which go hand in hand in leading to poverty and drug abuse. Like we're about to get into with all these victims. Right. So it all adds up. Man, they should just use this episode as like a whole tourist attraction uh, ad campaign <laughs> for Cleveland. <laughs> Come visit our, yeah. our beautiful city. It just, you know, there's data and reasons behind how all this works. On June 24th, 1990, Anthony struck again, at least that we know of. He might have attacked other women in this time frame that didn't come forward. But a Cleveland woman went to the police to report that Anthony Sowell had choked and raped her inside of her home on East 71st Street. Police arrested him, but no charges were filed because police say that they were unable to get the woman to testify. Thankfully, instead of 
releasing Anthony back into the community. His record was looked over and he was rearrested for the 1989 rape of Melvet Sockwell. Obviously, if you're Melvet, you'd be completely distrusting of the system, but she was brave enough to come forward for a second time and testify against Anthony. And on September 12th, 1990, Anthony Sowell was sentenced to 15 years in prison. See you guys next week. A brand new topic. <laughs> this was a plea bargain, right? Yes, he pled down. Yeah. yeah he, he was able to skip out on like a trial. You know, he pled. He was this. looking a lot more for a violent assault rape like that. And he knew it. I mean, yeah, that's how these things work. Anthony did really well in prison. He thrived in that rigid schedule, like in the military. As part of his sentence, he was required to go through counseling sessions for sex offenders and register as one. Anthony decided that counseling wasn't for him. Uh, he specifically said that he didn't want anyone to know his business. He did have to register as a sex offender, but no one in the system followed up on the counseling that he was supposed to do. So Anthony spent most of his time in prison under the radar and alone. He probably should have decided that incarceration wasn't for him. They probably just could have walked out the front door. <laughs> yeah, with that mindset. Rules, right? <laughs> just pull a Dave. Yeah, I reject that. I don't accept that. I'm, this is not for me. This law doesn't apply to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go now. Can I, I'm going to get the early checkout, please. And it's, it's weird with him. Like, you know, he's this heavy hitter, or at least what he did is, you know, would make him a heavy hitter in the world of serial killers for 15 years. There's nothing about him. He just stayed under the radar the whole time in prison. He did not act out or just like Michael Myers, right? Biding yeah. his time. Like in every sequel, <laughs> like five, 10 years, biding his time, waiting. He really has a boring life other than like the eight movies where he doesn't. That's right. Yeah. Other than that, he's just comatose, right? Like that's it. Yeah, he just kind of wanders around. He's just standing in the yard until people got to fuck with him. But I mean, like, even like, like, (laughs) I meant like the interval, like, you know, like between Halloween two and four, because obviously three, he's not in. Like, he's just comatose in a mental hospital being transferred. It's not a lot going on for him. And then he decides to wake up and go on a killing spree for a weekend. And then he gets, you know killed or arrested or his head cut off well however they get out of that film in fairness at the end of two he burned up so most people thought he was gone but he wasn't as we learned at the beginning of four he was comatose i'm I'm not talking about what we think i'm talking about his actual life there's not a lot to it other than those eight movies other than that he's like he's either killed or or comatose On June 20th, 2005, Anthony was released from prison after completing a sentence. This isn't minimizing all rapes because all rape is horrific, but Anthony's was violent and he had the mitigating factor that he told Melvet he was going to kill her, uh, which was a very real threat considering that he had her at knife point. Regardless, Anthony was labeled as a low risk sex offender and sent back into the community. His DNA was also not taken. I don't know if that's just complete, you know, another fuck up or if low risk sex offenders don't have to give their DNA, but he left without having a DNA sample collected. That's not the case any longer, right? I would hope not. Yeah. How can that be? I don't know. I don't think that that's the case now. So yeah, he just kind of walked out. And the documentary, hope that's not the case. they highlighted the section of the report that said low risk for recidivism. 
I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Imagine being that bad at your job. You get the show. Up Look, no one can project the future. Who knows? That but person could be 99% right most of the time. You, you don't know. That's a big, bad uh, mistake there. Seems like this is not a great mistake, though. I mean, hell, if you work at a fast food place and you put pickles on a cheeseburger and they ask for no pickles, you might get fired. Yet this guy <laughs> probably showed up the next day. He probably still works there. Yeah, maybe. He's the director. He's the director now. He's watching the mayor of Cleveland. <laughs> he is not the mayor of Cleveland. Anthony got lucky as far as having a place to live after he was out of prison. While he was in prison, his father passed away, and his stepmother, Sojourna, had been renting out rooms of her house. The house had three floors and a basement, so what she was doing was basically renting out the second and third floor while she lived on the first floor. Anthony also got a job at the Cleveland Indians, now Guardian Stadium, as a prep cook, and he was becoming a regular face around the neighborhood on Imperial Avenue. So we may have eaten a stadium dog prepared by Anthony Soul. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Delicious. Stadium dogs are delicious. <laughs> I mean, they're I even better on $2 there. dog nights. <laughs> dollar dog. Or dollar pal. dog nights. And over there, they do the dollar dogs. Eventually, Anthony met Lori Frazier. Lori is the niece of former Cleveland mayor Frank Jackson. And Lori was kind of like the outcast of the family. She had been arrested multiple times for possession of crack and drug trafficking. Anthony and Lori got along very well. And within a couple of weeks, they were dating and Anthony was back to smoking crack. He also joined some websites geared towards BDSM and had his profile set to that he was a dominant master looking for a submissive woman. But as far as we know, he never met anyone through those websites. Anthony got to the point where he was spending all of his time on those sites, and the only person in the real world he would communicate with was his girlfriend, Lori. His stepmother, Sojourna, was pretty much out of the picture at this point in 2007, leaving Anthony to have all the freedom that he needed. Sojourna began to suffer from kidney issues towards the end of 2005, and by 2007, she needed a kidney replacement. She spent a lot of the time at the hospital, and while she was in the hospital, Anthony kind of slowly started to destroy the house. All the floors were filling up with garbage, and Anthony wasn't working anymore, so Sojourner wasn't getting rent. I mean, I, I think we'll talk about this more later, like kind of regarding the condition of the house at the end of the story, but it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. Like the pictures that are out there of the conditions... When the police are in this house is kind of... About as bad as we've seen. I don't know that I've right. seen anything worse. Yeah. Who was the one that had the bags on their house? The leaf guy, Matthew Hoffman? Is that what it was? The leaf, the bags of leaves? Yeah, that would, leaves? yeah, he just had leaves. There wasn't anything real. Maybe that's not what I'm thinking of then. Getting my story. No, you know what was the worst house is the Pazuzu guy. Yes, with the dog shit. Yes, and this house the vomit, the piss, the blood. I think is probably comparable, if not worse, than that house. Was yeah. Pazuzu a bonus show? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Necronomicon. Check that out. It was a good show. That would be a good match. Yeah. Pazuzu's house versus Anthony yeah. Soul's house. Iron Man match. <laughs> 60 minutes. <laughs> Which house can you last longer in with the smell? For 60 minutes. Yeah. Or, or, or if you give up beforehand. 
can you last 60 minutes in either of those houses? I'll tell you right now, I would no. last four minutes and I'd be puking and shitting and pissing <laughs> and just losing control of everything and just be unconscious, I would, having a seizure on the floor. No, I would vomit in two seconds. But I, Pazuzu, well, I'm jumping ahead. I don't want to get into that. Pazuzu didn't have bodies just sitting out though, right? They were buried in the back. Yeah, yeah they were outside. And what we'll get to next week. Which is a good teaser for sure. Yeah. <laughs> this house has. See, this is what happens when Ian sends us, and I get to read all the notes, and I know what's coming next week, which is very rare. <laughs> yeah, this was decided to be a two-parter. We said for the first time ever, Dave and I made the 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 ruling this would be a two-parter. Yeah, as opposed to like Ian messaging us being. Yeah, like, I think it warrants two parts. Well, I sure as fuck hope so. We're an hour and twenty-six minutes into this goddamn <laughs> thing. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. This house had you know. Bodies sitting out that we'll get to next week. Yeah, and this we'll, one might take the cake for that. I, I, mean, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Dahmer's house, his apartment was better than this house. Well, yeah, he put yeah. his away in the freezer. He was a clean boy. He had vats of acid, and yeah, I mean, it still smelled pretty bad <laughs> from what people complained. It was about. a little enclosed, at least. I would rather spend an afternoon in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment than here. That's We've seen the photos, though. Fair. I think we posted them, and like it wasn't. Like, there's not just shit laying all over the floors. Yeah, there was a picture. There's a crime scene photo that I was looking at, and I'm like, it looks like the carpet melted into the floorboards. For so well. For so well. And then when you zoom in really close, it didn't melt at all. It's just maggot shells and mouse shit. It's unimaginable filth. And to be cooking and eating and living there. And this is the guy who then leaves this house to go serve you at Progressive Field. Right. So that stank. Because <laughs> I know stadium dogs we probably ate. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm glad they have rigid rules about who can cook my hot dogs at gas stations. <laughs> <laughs> they would never allow that. Speed, Speedway would never hire somebody like that. Of course not. <laughs> Foolish. <laughs> It's not like people can walk up and just pick their nose and wipe their hands on those hot dogs because they're fully enclosed and you can't get to them, right? Right. There's security cameras. Of course, that'd never be allowed. <laughs> Sorry, I took a little too much of that crown. Oh, you you're good, off. man. I didn't mean to take that much. A lot more whiskey. Polishing off your handle there. That doesn't sound great. Polishing <laughs> off your handle there. You did a mighty fine job, fella. <laughs> 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 this this episode had so much potential coming into it <laughs> and then dave and i decided not to use the keg and do whiskey i apologize ian i'd like to formally apologize <laughs> for the outline you wrote i'm perfectly sober i don't know what you're talking about yeah okay pal <laughs> in 2007 anthony also experienced health issues while riding the bus one morning anthony started having chest pains he got off the bus at his stop, and after walking a couple feet, he collapsed from a heart attack. Anthony underwent surgery to have a pacemaker put in, and once he recovered, he got a job at a packaging company. At this point, he was almost completely alone. Sojourner was living with her mother because the house was no longer in a condition that someone suffering from kidney failure and getting a replacement, you know, getting an operation to have a new kidney should be living in and his girlfriend Lori Frazier came around less and less You're like does the stepmother come over and is like what are you doing in my fucking house pal 
in his uh, interrogation, he kind of makes it seem like she came over every once in a while. But I don't know if she actually did. Yeah, You come over once and you see it and you're probably like, fuck this. Like, I'm out of yeah. here. You don't need victim or you're just like, eh. What are you going to do, I guess? Yeah. The house is worth probably $10,000. I think in her, maybe for her mindset yeah. and just that, you know, she's what? just like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go live with somebody else or whoever she's staying with. And, and she received a new kidney. You know, yeah. so that definitely was not somewhere that she needed to be. Probably, yeah, fuck this. I got a new lease on life. Like, yeah. I'm going to move on. Well, when is this? 2007? It was kind of before the housing market crash. Like, after the housing crash. Which was what? The next year? In, in a way. Like, yeah. those neighborhoods got decimated. Like, those values were nothing. You could buy houses in those neighborhoods for $500. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Also, what was he packaging at this job? I don't know. Hopefully not, like sausage or something that I was buying. <laughs> that was only at Progressive Field when you said uh, $2 hot dogs. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Like all these people have hot dogs that whatever that were prepped by that guy? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's weird wild, to think about. Right? Well, it's just like those hands that probably, you know. You know. Well, it's the same thing like, uh, like we talked about with Ariel Castro. Like, how many times have we all probably driven past his house at one point? Yeah. All those three girls were in there. Yeah. It's like these little things you have no idea. Or even been well, in a I bar go, with that guy I would something. go to that Burger yeah. King where he abducted. Who was the one who worked for that Burger King? Amanda Berry. I, I, go to that, I used to go to that Burger King all the time. Yeah. She probably served you. Yeah. That's just yeah. Weird so to crazy think. to think about. Yeah, when it happens in your city, you know, where you live, it's crazy. Because right. you know you've been all those places before. Yeah, it puts a very very real touch on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to separate yourself from some of these because it's like, Oh, well that's, you know, way over and so-and-so and you yeah. know, whatever happens this is our but town. when it's here and it's like, you know, not to say it's, it's worse that like they're all terrible, but whenever it's closer to home, it hits closer to home. Anthony didn't talk to investigators a lot when this all came to an end. So we're kind of left to speculate a bit as to what was going on in his head. The first woman that we know for a fact that he murdered was 38-year-old Crystal Dozier. Crystal was one of Lori's friends who also bought and smoked crack in the neighborhood. So that's where they're kind of thinking that this is possibly revenge on Lori leaving him. Mm -hmm. Crystal had been arrested multiple times, tried to get sober multiple times, and had gone missing for days at a time. She struggled, but she was trying Her son, Anthony, spoke to Crystal on May 12, 2007, and she sounded all right, but he knew that she was still doing drugs. The next day was Mother's Day, and Anthony skipped reaching out to Crystal on Mother's Day every year because of their relationship. Like, she left these kids when they were pretty young. This this guy's in the documentary a lot that we watched, and he more or less wasn't comfortable calling her on Mother's Day because he's like, she's not really a mother. I raised myself, which is just yeah. so sad in and of itself. It just shows you the, the, the toll that drugs take. He tried to get a hold of her on May 14th with no luck. Anthony waited about a week because, like we said, she had gone missing for a couple of days at a time. After a week went by and there were no signs of Crystal, Anthony filed a missing persons report with the police. Crystal's disappearance wasn't investigated, and Anthony was told that due to her record 
and the fact that she was an adult, there was nothing that they could really do. Side note about Anthony, he owns a local business here called Crystal Clear Solutions, named after his mom. What do they do? They make uh, hot dog buns. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, like a marketing. Yeah, thing. Okay. good for him. Marketing website. Yeah, he seemed like a great young man. Yeah, the, pretty cool. yeah, he's very, very good. Very just well you know, to have come from those beginnings, well, just it, to be able to talk about yeah, stuff that I mean, he went through, yeah, like that. Good for him. I don't think I could do that. Meanwhile, back on May 12th or 13th, Anthony Soul led Crystal Dozier back to his house on Imperial Avenue. Can I interrupt real quick going back to um, Anthony and talking to the police and when they told him, you know, there's probably nothing they can do. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the one in the documentary that said, like, I understand that a lot of times these cases don't go anywhere, but I don't feel it's the police job to tell someone hey, this probably isn't going to, nothing's going to come of this. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. And that was just an extremely powerful statement to hear him say. And he's right. You know, that's not anybody, you know, the police should not be telling people that probably, especially a kid who's who are looking for his mom. Again, you know, that's it, not their job to if do If it was that. a rich white woman on the west side of Cleveland, that is not what the cops calling would all have cars. told his son. That's right. right. And, you know, just to see how it broke his spirit, like that, yep. that was... I don't know. It really was a powerful scene of that documentary, which is called, we, I don't know. Did we mention this unseen on Amazon? It's called unseen. The documentary we watched. I can't remember if we said the name or not unseen. And, uh, Ian and I watched another one, but what, what's the, what's the kid's name from vice? Uh, a guy from vice did a documentary. He grew up here in Strongsville. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I, I thought it was actually better than the, the unseen documentary. It's on it YouTube. Very good. Though. If you look at the Vice documentary on Anthony Soul. So and I'm this, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought when you yeah. know, when the police tell a kid that or a young man, that's extremely disheartening. It, it absolutely is. It's essentially saying your mom's a crackhead. She's, you know, we don't really give a fuck right. where she's at. And who are they to say something like that? Like just take the, the report. Even if you if the cops know, you know, we're not going anywhere with this, why would you tell someone that? And she is the same level of citizen as that rich white woman on the West side and deserves the exact same amount of investigation sure. period. That that's it. We don't have tiered levels of, of justice here. We don't know how Anthony got crystal back to his house, but it's assumed that he offered her crack or alcohol, which is based off of future survivors. We're going to talk about, All we got from Anthony was that he strangled Crystal with an extension cord and buried her body in the backyard. Because Anthony was kind of compromised from having that pacemaker, he got too worn out to fully dig a grave. He only dug the grave about a foot and a half and then covered Crystal's body with dirt. At that point, Anthony Dozier took things into his own hands and he started putting up flyers all over the neighborhood looking for information on Crystal's whereabouts. These posters filled Anthony soul with some kind of rage or guilt or maybe a mixture of the two, but he started tearing down the posters anytime he walked past one. Then at the same time, Lori came back into his life. Anthony soul and Lori never officially broke up. It was just kind of that drug addiction made the relationship distant at times. Like Lori would just like all the women we're going to talk about. They just kind of leave for a week at a time or something. And they randomly pop back up. It seemed like the anger that Anthony had when he was tearing down the flyers was now turned towards Lori 
and he started beating her regularly. Lori's friends warned her. They told her to get away from Anthony, take her belongings, get out of the house and leave. So that's what Lori did. She started gradually taking her belongings little by little to make it not this whole abrupt breakup, but whenever she decided to not come back, she would have enough stuff. What finally pushed Lori over the edge to just take everything and get out was one day she came home to find Anthony on his hands and knees cleaning the floor, not just regular cleaning. Like he was on his hands and knees scrubbing the shit out of his carpet. Lori noticed blood on the floor and Anthony told her that he had gotten robbed and was just cleaning up. And that was it for Lori. She was like, no, something happened here. <laughs> I'm sure that was it. He got robbed. Do you think he would have killed her eventually if she didn't leave? I, I do. Interesting the question. But just based on his temperament, it seems like whenever he had like one of those fits of rage or those urges to rape, yeah. that was it. And then if he raped you more than likely, not all the time he was going to kill you because now you know what he did. Right? Like, I don't know. That's how I see it. I think that's probably right. Also, he's walking around mad because the kid's looking for his mom that he killed. He's tearing down the flyers. Yeah. Which you, which you also can contrast to Ariel Castro, who at the same time had the girls captive at his house, and he was helping put up the flyers looking for those girls. Interesting how different psyches were. Are we going to get into that next week? The tie-in? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Dun, dun. <laughs> that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Like Castro showed up at the press conferences, and because yeah. he was a... Uh, friend of uh the the jesus family so he was helping the rallies whatever walk around helping putting up uh flyers right for gina wasn't one of the um john Bonet suspects at like the rallies outside the house with like all the pictures in his backpack yeah i think about that one a lot too mm. so at this point with Lori leaving anthony was completely alone his stepmother sojourna was completely gone at this point as well in what sounds like this uncontrollable rage, Anthony started breaking shit all over the house, like glass bottles, stuff everywhere. Like that garbage was piling up, we talked about before, but now it was pretty much taking over the basement, the first floor, and it was starting to take up the second floor. Hey, it's just one of those days. <laughs> it's going to be stuck in my head all night now. <laughs> Dave's going to use an Anthony Soul. Everybody episode, sucks! Soul episode to make a Limp Biscuit reference. <laughs> On June 29th, 2007, a woman living across the street from Anthony made a complaint with the city, and she specifically said that the neighborhood smelled like a dead body or a dead animal. This is going to be the first of many complaints about the smell, and this complaint was presumably due to Crystal Dozier's body only being buried a foot and a half into the ground. Yeah, maybe. Again, and we'll, we'll get into this more, I think, in part two. But again, if this happened on the far west side where I grew up, they would have got to the bottom of it. It would have been done with this complaint. It would have been done with this complaint. 100%. At, at the minimum. This would have been done 17 complaints ago. Yep. This guy would have been followed when he got out of prison. You know, after 15 years, monitored, maybe not followed. Mm. So back in 2006, the Adam Walsh Act passed, which we might do a full episode on John Walsh on that case someday. 
That's a horrifying case. Yeah. He's done a lot for for finding people. John Walsh, he's done a lot of good stuff. He really has. And just the violence that happened to him. I, I don't know. Like, you put yourself in that situation, you might just crawl into a ball and cry every day. But that 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 guy really did a lot. Yeah. yeah. So the Adam Walsh Act separates sex offenders into three categories with a third and most serious being required to report to their sheriff's office every 90 days. The act passed in 2006, but it went nationwide in 2008. So right after Crystal Dozier's murder and the complaints are getting filed about the smell, Anthony is now required to visit his uh, sheriff's office every 90 days. And that's where we'll pick back up on part two. For life, I like to add. Like, that's yes. the other part of that, for life. Those lesser tiers for like 25 years or whatever, but 90 days for life, which is a pretty big burden on somebody. I mean, it's good. You yeah, know, for sure. You're going to track him for the rest of his life every 90 days. Interestingly enough, though, the Supreme Court of Ohio later ruled that you couldn't retroactively apply that to people whose convictions were prior to that law taking place. So if he was still around, it would have gotten invalidated. Since it's, it's a been, weird hill to die on there. Yeah. But politicians going to politic. Well, <laughs> you can't subject someone to a law that wasn't in place when they committed the crime. Well, you can't, but <laughs> you should it's in this case. Logically sound. Yes, but but you can't, you know, you can't convict me of jaywalking and later say, oh, jaywalkers are. We're going to kill them all now. Like there has yeah. to be some precedent of not being subject to rules for a crime that weren't in place when you it's committed the crime. It's a bit of crime. extreme example, but I understand what you're saying. But that's the road you go down when you allow things like that. So yeah, maybe it's not great, but it's not great. It would fix some mistakes that were made in the past for this guy, uh-huh. though. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I agree with that in general, <laughs> but in this case, you know. Where we're going to get to next week with him having to report every 90 days. The other thing that falls into the Adam Walsh Act is that police can just drop in on you. There are requirements for these unannounced visits every once in a while. Not a regular thing, but you're subjected to it. And and that makes perfect sense, sure. And next week we're going to you know get into some of that as well. This week's been a perfect hype episode for next week. <laughs> Meaning the conditions we're going to get into this house and what takes place are something that a logical person would assume could have been preempted by these, these, you know, mandated visits, right? I'd highly ident or eat, not highly easily identifiable. Yeah. If someone was monitoring in the appropriate fashion, it's hard to envision. You mean like stepping in the house? Well, it, it's hard to envision someone going to that front door and thinking, this is great. This is a well-adjusted human being right. back into society, and I'm okay with this. Or is it just more, yeah, I'm, at, I'm at your front door. Here, sign here. I yeah. saw you. Or is it even that? Because the person across the street says the whole neighborhood smells like a dead body. So as you're approaching that house, I would assume that smell gets more prominent, and you might have questions well you can't blame him there's a meat packing plant right next door (laughs) 
It's like it's not even a fucking exaggeration either that Crystal Dozier's body was buried a foot and a half into the ground. That's not even really a grave. You basically just was laid that in the her, backyard. Yeah, so he basically just laid her down and put dirt Kicked on top. Leaves of over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like nothing to see here. Because he knew no one was going to look, so it didn't matter, did it? So I, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously we're going to get into it next week, but I don't know how someone walks up to that house and says, this is a good situation. I'm okay with this. Or is that caseload for that person so staggering that they don't have the resources to do that? Could be that. We don't know you know, necessarily. Maybe judgmental on that because I, I don't know. I mean, and we hear a lot about the, you know, these social worker cases where something eventually happens to the kid and like, oh, why didn't the social worker take him out of the house? And and some of those case losses, case, case, case losses, <laughs> whiskey <laughs> Dave is here. <laughs> some of those case loads are just unmanageable. Oh, when it comes and to like, people do the best that they can. When and, it comes to the kids and, you know, like locally, like DCFS, they're, they're overwhelmed beyond belief. Right. You know, they, they. They don't even open cases, you know, a lot of times unless you have like exact evidence or proof. Like, you know, yeah. they're not just taking, you know, calls anymore for allegations. It's of just whatever. not possible just, to act to, to monitor that stuff. And they're paid very little for the amount that they do, which is why they don't attract anybody. That too. I think that's a huge issue with the cho- with with children's organizations. But this this one is a little different just because this is law enforcement walking up mm-hmm. like the caseload fine they probably do have a yeah, lot this of isn't cases. dcfs like this isn't right this is somebody with a badge and a gun that has every right to, to go in the house to go in the house and, and, and should ar- know better and arrest him yeah that's not going to add any more paperwork to them arrest him and throw him in jail you're right you know what i mean yep it's just i don't know it's hard to believe some people on the job just go through the motions and you're not expecting that, that your guy's a serial killer. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do some people do the minimum to get by. Right. Yeah. You do that job. How long? 99% of your caseload. Yeah. Is just, right. You know, the every go through the motions the and you yeah. just want to go home at the end of the day. And yeah, but we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I would argue you'd get another job, but. Well, I'm not saying that they're right for doing that. I'm saying that's just kind of the routine they fall into. Yeah. Yeah. If you're supposed to be checking out these violent criminals, you should probably take your job seriously and do your due diligence. But is it even getting burnout? What do you mean? Like this would not have happened on the west side of Cleveland in a a white area. Even if an officer is getting tired of their job or whatever. I didn't say burnout. I just yeah. falling into a routine. Right. Yeah. Would that have happened? No. Well, probably not. No. no, I don't think so. I think you're probably absolutely right. I think it's more about the people than anything else. I do not disagree. Yeah. I sound like I'm making excuses. You're probably exactly right, though. We'll, uh, we'll probably wait till part two's episode because the photos are more relevant to that. But I went here today to the Anthony Soul house that yeah, was wild i took a little nap on the couch i woke up you're like hey guess where i was at and i saw pictures I'm like oh god damn yeah i was out and about and realized i was 15 minutes away and decided hey if there's ever a time to go it's a nice day mm-hmm. and we're gonna be talking about it tonight so i figured swing on over and got some photos and we'll get into it more next week so that's why i'm not gonna get into it too much now but there's a nice little memorial tour the house down and 
uh, you know, but the pictures we'll post for next week's episode will be the ones that I actually took. Wow. Yeah. Eyewitness account. See, I did I did an investigative report. Mike on the spot. Boom. Action news. <laughs> Going live to Mike. <laughs> yeah. It's a very quiet area now. Very quiet. I mean, there's there's houses block you know, a block or two away. There's mm-hmm. only the one house right across the street is still there. The ones hit. surrounding his are been torn down. His right? house is gone, and then one or two lots next to his are gone. And like if you're looking at his house, the, the two lots to the left are gone. Uh, and there's just trees planted mm. to the right of his is Ray sausage, which we'll get into next week. And then there's a, a East 123rd on the other side of East 123rd is Imperial beverage what, where it was now it's torn down. And it's like a community garden. Mm. Um, Imperial beverage. They went out of business pretty quick after that documentary came out. <laughs> is that what it was? I it wonder was after why the documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That dude, you look up that, well, that like, quote online fucking say that and yeah. expect to not be, you can't say that and then try, and then expect those people to still go to your store. And yeah. to remind people that he's the one at the beginning of this show said, I wish there was a million Anthony souls right, to he clean up the, the garbage, the garbage. Like yeah. how the fuck do you go back and sell goods to the community? Right. And you said Ray sausage is still open. Might it might be as far it didn't as, look like it today, but it, they might have been. I don't know. As far as a couple years ago, it was. I don't know about recent. Well, we'll we'll post those next week when when we talk about them more. But those will be the photos that I actually took doing a journalism. <laughs> did you do a crack over there? <laughs> I did not. Okay. No one approached me and said, "Hey, you want a, a crack?" <laughs> I thought, you know, <laughs> make make the effort for the sale, right? Like, when am I supposed to come to you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a very nice little memorial. They have a beautiful little pathway walkway mm-hmm. up to the monument. They have the names of the victims and um it only took ten years. Right. Yeah. So Which is something we'll talk about next week too. We will. But I don't think the uh in all fairness, the Ariel Castro thing hasn't been set up yet. Weren't they supposed to like a little park there at his house? Still and an that's empty still, lot, right? still an empty lot. And that's been how many years now? Ten years, right? Yeah. Over. Oh, it's been over 10 years. Nothing there yet. Last time I went by, which was maybe a couple years ago, it was still just an empty lot. They were supposed to build a little park for like kids to go play. What year was that that they found those girls? <sighs> 2013. Is that right? So it's been nine years. Okay. I was sitting at the bar. I'm like, you got to be fucking I was in me. Florida. I could not believe it. I was on vacation in Florida and it was breaking news on CNN. Oh, yeah. And I was Everywhere. Like, Holy fuck. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nine years and there's still nothing there for them. At least last time I checked. But anyways, they have one for the, these women. Quiet area. I'm really surprised they don't have anything for Amanda Berry. Yeah. I saw Amanda Berry on the news tonight. She's doing her she's um, on the news missing day. persons thing. Yeah, she, she looks great. She does a missing person. She looks fantastic. Every, uh, Good for her. Every day. she yeah. Or every couple of days they update it with the missing persons. But she gives the report. Yeah. Yeah, she looks great. She looks healthy. Yep. She's a good-looking girl. Okay. Final thoughts on part one? We save them for the end of the, the whole thing. Yeah, I guess save it to the end of the whole thing because I... Yeah, uh, I reserve my thoughts. Yeah, any thoughts that I have on it, you would have to hear, you know, we'd have to wrap it up for. Yeah, so. I mean, my thoughts on this would take a whole complete show. Yeah, we, we could debate that, we, this you, for a while. or talk put that on Patreon. Things. Just give your rants, <laughs> and then we'll put it on uh, Patreon. I mean, Cleveland's an interesting town. I mean, when I was a kid, the just 
racially divided by the river. East and west side. East side was mostly African American. West side mostly white people. That's changed a little bit in the past 20, 30 years. But you have the whole history of uh, busing and desegregation, the schools and stuff. So I mean, it's a whole show by itself. Just the racial history of segregated history of Cleveland, which plays a lot into this, I think. All right, we got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Daniel France, Amber, Alex View, the Shifty Milkman, Brock, Eat Up My Dick. Didn't we have that one last week? <laughs> no, still funny. Andrew Holland, Jerry Hill, Cassie Renee, Desiree F., James, Laura Moucher, my niece Denise, Catherine Shills, Brittany Sucks, Jabbles Raz, Marcus Eoff, Taylor Cutsforth, Amy Hobbit, Ellen O'Dwyer, Matthew. Oh, Mike cucked my best friend. Oh. Maybe that's oh. Maybe that's oh. Or, or is that a, oh, Mike cucked my best friend. Oh. Well, you already read Britney Sucks, so, you know. I did. But it, was that talking about Britney Spears? I assume. Well, she does suck, so. You can't talk about a pregnant lady that way. <laughs> Devin Dean, Pam Levin. Was that you that made that account? You've always talked about making fake accounts. Was that you? No. Oh, okay. I did the, um, I actually did throw one in today, though. <laughs> eat, him, eat him my dick. <laughs> oh, the one that I said we had last week. <laughs> this guy. Just as I was putting the list together, I go, we had eat him my dick in here. <laughs> he got me. Not, not really, though. Not really. Accused on the wrong one. Uh, I can't remember where I left off. Taylor Cutsforth, Amy Hobbit, Ellen O'Dwyer, Matthew. Oh, I said all these. Oh, Mike. Mike <laughs> Cuts. Mike, Mike cucked my best friend. Oh, uh, Pam Levin, Stubby the Cat, Teal Thompson, Kendall Kennedy, Stephanie L. Porat, Blake Rogers, Das Boot, MF, Quinn Reagan, Amber Albritton, Alex B. 101, Tony D., Nick Local 24, Kelly Miller, X Dusk X, Bridget Yawn, Sian, Sienna, Robert Joseph, Nick Miller, Joggist Sucks Big Dicks, <laughs> Ragdoll Zombies, Kai Rachik, Pilates 3, Jedediah Olsblack, Heidi Gelds, Catherine Ralklinick, Always Avoid Alliteration, who I like that one, and A. Jones. Thank you all very much. We're at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Always avoid alliteration. Very clever. Yeah. They must know I have a boner for alliterations. <laughs> Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Elizabeth Sandman, Rip Jade 0309, Mark versus Food. He redeemed himself. <laughs> Mark versus Food was the two star guy from last week that we wow, roasted. that piece of shit. <laughs> Glad he fixed that. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. But. Well, he's, he's redeemed himself. Now he's just a little turd. He's a five star. Now he uh, he fixed his review. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, buddy. Didn't his wife out him to us? They're both patrons. He's like, that's my husband. <laughs> that guy. Uh, you still married to that guy? Did you file divorce paperwork this week? You should see what I asked him to get out the, the steaks to thaw out. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. 
Guy can't even hit the five star button. He hits the two stars. You find your clit regularly? I doubt it. You're searching for a, a no man's land, pal. <laughs> You're not going to win that game. <laughs> that He's like, oh, I thought that was your clit. No, that's my asshole. But <laughs> that's probably how you submitted a two star review, pal. Well, that's an a, that's a happy accident, right? <laughs> when you find that, oh, that might be a happy accident. <laughs> Nikki Rain. <laughs> Nikki Rain, Carrie Barra, and Alien Chauncey. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. David, anything else? No, nothing for me. Just no. the difference between a two star and a five star is like the clit and the anus. It's a huge difference. <laughs> On our end, it's a huge difference. If that's what it means to women, then you know we might have to start working harder, fellas. Because that's a big one. Good for you, Mark. Buddy. But at least five stars exist. I'm pulling for your wife. <laughs> What about uh, Samantha Loves Dave? Did she submit a... <laughs> she didn't submit a review this week. No, she did not. She's been quiet since the first okay. one, I think. Just checking. <laughs> Elizabeth Salmon brought up an interesting question in her review. She said, is pizza a sandwich if you fold it in half? Oh. Let's go to the expert over there. He's pondering. <laughs> yeah. He's pondering. I'm watching him. I don't think so. That's how you eat a New York slice, right? Couldn't it just be like a calzone put it in almost half? at that point? Does it have to be mm, a calzone made a sandwich. together? I could see calzone being under the sandwich umbrella for sure. But I also include a hot dog under the sandwich umbrella. A folded piece of pizza is open-ended on one side. It's almost like a hot it's like dog. A sub it's or like a sub or a hot dog. dog. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I we, say it's a sandwich. But you're doing it yourself. It's not like it's served that mm. way. It kind of is. Well, if you dropped it, it would fold back to its original shape and right. no longer be a sandwich. You're just kind of folding it up to eat it. Mm. I would have some issues with that, I think. Like, I could fold anything up to eat it. doesn't right. necessarily. You could take a pierogi and fold it right. up. Right. doesn't that- make it a sandwich. So I'm going to say, no, that's not a sandwich. I fold my fries every time. It's very strange. Does that make it a sandwich, pal? I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I do. I think she, her argument <laughs> probably is that it's like, it's, like two, it's like a crust, you know, or bread that you fold. So mm. now it's, you know, it's there. I understand what she's asking. I get the point. I get the logic behind the point. Fold your fries. I'm going to say, yeah, like break them all in half and then dip them. Really? Yeah, I don't know why I do that. All right. It is what it is. It's all right. Fine, fine with me, pal. <laughs> Quick question: What's better, mozzarella sticks or jalapeno poppers? Jalapeno poppers, mozzarella sticks. Although I had some at Applebee's the other day, not fully cooked, not great. Yeah. Applebee's, not good. Don't recommend going there. There are a few things at Applebee's that I don't mind. Like, cook your fucking mozzarella sticks. Like the easiest thing to make. They're already frozen. They probably get them from Walmart. You're which not is right behind the Applebee's. You're not cooking them. You're putting them in the microwave. Yeah. Cook them longer, oh, asshole. Throw them in the deep fryer for thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't want cold cheese. <laughs> no. I want to string it around my forehead because it's <laughs> so melted and hard to eat. That's the way to eat a mozzarella stick. <laughs> Come on. Quick trivia: you? What's the only fast food place that serves mozzarella sticks? Oh, Round uh, Arby's. Oh shit! There's two. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about Arby's. We do get them at Arby's a lot, yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty good. So what's the other? Burger King serves them. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, they're not great, but they have them. <laughs> and I believe he just DQ'd your answer, yeah. your question. <laughs> well, he didn't Dairy Queen me. But <laughs> what's the grill part called? Yeah, what is a brazier? <laughs> no, it's brazier. Br- brazier. They do different things with ice cream cones. 
I've been yeah, told my I've been yeah. told my brazier term is no longer relevant in this world. So yeah. well, we told you, pal. You had to wait for all the listeners to tell you. All right, God, now I want some mozzarella sticks. Fuck. See if we lived in a real city, we could just get them Ubered right now. Yeah, you're not getting any mozzarella sticks right now. Of course not. If we lived in a real city, you walk <laughs> out the front door and you go to the bodega next door and you get whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, well, I was in Cleveland a few nights ago at 11 o'clock, Dave, and I couldn't get mozzarella <laughs> sticks, so I'm not sure about that anymore. That's what I love about New York. You just... Yeah. At 4 a.m., you want to fucking... You want chicken tenders and mozzarella yeah. sticks? All right. It might be $109, but it's coming to you. Let me go next door to the bodega and uh, they will have it for me. All right. I'll find something. Maybe I'll eat a salad and be like a healthy boy. All right. Okay, so I do the socials, don't I? We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> YouTube at Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch and Necronomapod.com for our stickers. Thank you all very much. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.